0: more into His image and likeness, and to walk in the fullness of your redemptive rights. We're talking about increasing our faith. You know, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica said, your faith grows exceedingly. So in other words, our faith can increase and it can grow. And it's so important that we understand that because if we think that our faith can't grow we're not going to do anything to receive the revelation that we need so our faith can grow and we can believe God for greater bigger and better things more than anything else so that we can know him better and carry out his life mission that he has for all of us well we're just going to give you a quick review Uh, for those of you that weren't here last time uh, we're talking about levels of faith and that we can increase our level of faith. It speaks of no faith, little faith, great faith, perfect faith, but it also speaks of unwavering, uh, uh, unwavering faith, or that means wavering faith as well, or no faith. And, and so we understand people can make shipwreck of their faith and so we can see that faith has different, different levels, many different levels. So it's important we understand that because if we don't, we won't do anything to increase our faith. Well how do we increase our faith? Of course we've got to go to the word of God. But what do we study to increase our faith? And we talked about we need to know the reality of certain truths from the Bible. The reality of the integrity of the word of God is number one on the list. We need to understand the reality of the integrity of God's word that God cannot lie what he says he will do, what he speaks he will make good. We talked about last week understanding the reality of our redemption in Christ Jesus we have to understand the reality of the new creation, what it means to be born again and truly a child of Almighty God, we have to understand the reality of our righteousness in Christ, many believers walking around and they think that there's still a worm in the dust or just a sinner saved by grace, but you're more than that, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus and that will impact our faith We need to understand the indwelling presence of God. Can you imagine the fact that the creator of all the universe is living on the inside of you right now? That in the power and person of his Holy Spirit, he has come into your heart where he said, I will dwell in you, I will walk in you, and I will be your God and you'll be my people. Imagine to have that understanding and the reality of that blessed truth that the creator is living in us, walking in us. We are his temple on the earth. And then we need to know the reality of God's love. To really know God's love. In reality, not just as a doctrine, but in reality to experience his love, to know it intimately, be acquainted with it. And then the reality of the authority of the name of Jesus, which of course he told us to do all things in his name as we live our lives here upon the earth. But we have to understand the authority of it and really know it in order to walk in the light of it. And it will increase our faith once we gain this revelation. Tonight, or today, I I just really chose to single out one of these. I don't know if we're going to do them all, but I want to pull out one of these here. The next one is going to be understanding God's love for us. And really having an understanding of this reality of how much God loves us and how much God cares about every single one of us. Because one of the things that we all deal with in life is sometimes low self-esteem, a low sense of self-worth like I'm not anybody very special, does God really care about me, does God really love me, look what I'm going through in this life, how much does God really love me as an individual, well I do believe that the more we understand the fact that God loves us, the easier it is for us to believe Him, and trust Him matter of fact in Matthew's Gospel 7 verses 7-11 through if you recall what Jesus said about the Father's love for us and the care for His children, He said look Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened to you. For what man is there among you that if a son should ask bread, would he give him a stone? Or if he asked fish, would he give him a serpent? Or an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If you being evil can give good gifts to your children, say it with me, how much more? Look at the comparison that he's making. How much would you give your child if that child of yours was in a state of hunger and thirst? You immediately would meet that need. And what does He say to us? How much more will the Father care for us than we care for our own children? But yet, a lot of Christians walk around without that understanding and that revelation that God feels that way about you, about me, about all of us. He does care. Well, if I want to have this, let's say, revelation of God's love for me, how do I go about getting it? How do I have it revealed to me? Is it based on my experiences that I encounter in life? God forbid because you would never understand God's love by what you go through in life in the world you're going to have tribulations you're going to have all kind of challenges along the way and that doesn't mean just because this didn't happen or God didn't do this or God didn't do that that he doesn't love us you've got an enemy out there I have an enemy out there who wants to kill, steal and destroy has no regard for human life whatsoever and will do anything and everything he can to destroy us we need to recognize that and realize that And because these things happen doesn't mean that God doesn't love us no. Is there another determining factor? Indeed there is. And that is found in the word of God. And so we're going to study that this morning so we can have a better revelation and understanding of the reality that God has for us as far as his love is concerned. So let's look at the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 17 Ephesians 3 verse 17 Here Paul prayed for the saints at Ephesus, and this was part of his prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded, did you get those two words? Rooted and grounded in divine love may be able to comprehend, this is where comprehension comes from, with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes or transcends knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. These are power-packed words prayed by the Apostle Paul letting us know that there is a need for all of us to have an understanding of the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love for us why? so we can be filled with all the fullness of God, if we don't have this revelation our faith level is not going to be up there where it needs to be, but when we have this revelation it's going to change us from the inside out, guaranteed well how do I discover the breadth, the length, the depth and the height of God's love, well as we enter into this Christmas season, we're going to reveal that to you, look in John 3.16 because this is a parallel scripture I know you know it, but I want you to see it in light of Ephesians chapter 3 for God so loved the world, that's the breadth of his love he gave his only begotten son, that's the length of his love that whosoever believes in him should not perish is the depth of God's love but have everlasting life is the height of God's love so let's start at the beginning, first of all the breath of God's love is revealed in God loving the world he created this world and everything that's in it and his love is over all the world, which includes every person who ever lived or who will ever live and who is living right now. You know what that means? It means he loves me. The breath of his love, it touches all kindred, tongue, people, nation. It means if you have breath, he loves you. He loves you. And sometimes it's good just to sit back and just say, Thank you, Father, for loving me. Can you say that to him? Thank you, Father, for loving me. It's the breath of his love. Does not matter what ethnicity you are? Does not matter your race? Does not matter your gender? Does not matter where you come from, your social status? None of that matters. If you're alive and breathing on planet Earth, God loves you, and we need to vocalize that. I know you love me. Look in the, mor- in the mirror in the morning and just say, Father, I know you love me. I embrace that love. I receive that love. I just experienced that love and I'm thanking you for your love for me. But then the length of his love is found in the incarnation. To what length would God go? Tell me to what length would you go to show your love for someone? None of us can do this. Think about how awesome this is that God could love you so much that he in the second person of deity would leave his position at the right hand of the majesty on high to come legally into the earth by a birth in the womb of a virgin so that he could robe himself in the flesh that you and I are in for the purpose of saving us so he left the glory world behind, stripped himself of his mighty power and glory became human on this earth so that he could save us. So he could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The incarnation reveals to us the length of God's love. To what length would you go to show someone that you love them? Would you buy them a nice? You know, if some, some of these advertisements I, I just wonder about. Every kiss begins with K. And I've noticed the diamonds get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you see, if you really love her, it's not just one anymore. She's your best friend and your lover. So now you need two diamonds on that ring, right? Two of them side by side. You think they're concerned about you showing your love for your wife or about how much money they're going to make by selling you that diamond, those diamonds. Am I right? Absolutely so what could we do to show our love, does it mean because I buy you something that's more expensive it means I love you, that's not how we measure love you measure love by realizing and recognizing God went to this extreme to do something that's unthinkable this great gift of his son that he gave to the world, as a matter of fact look in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Jesus is God's gift to the world. He so loved the world that He gave the world a gift. What gift did He give to the world? His Son. And the giving of His Son is what? Unspeakable. In other words, you cannot articulate with words what it means to have been given that gift. I'm telling you, you can see when young people receive gifts and they're so full of joy, excitement and all that, just ecstatic about it, and they're so thrilled about it that they forget about it the next day. And they play with the box that it came in rather than the gift that was in the box, and they like that a whole lot better. It's short-lived, it doesn't last very long. Am I right? I've got six kids, I know I'm right and sometimes I wonder in our society today when, when, when my Andrew walks down from his bedroom and stands there and says to me, Daddy I'm bored I just go, really? <laughs> you got more gadgets in your room than I can even think of ever having, you know when we were young and growing up give me a stick and a little piece of wood and we played stick ball, am I right? Get that thing and whack it and try to run around the bases and we had more fun than you can shake a stick at <laughs> We didn't need all the things that we have here today, but you know, we've got so many things. You should see one of our rooms, we've got two basketball hoops hoops up. I'm talking these little Nerf ones. It gets hot and heavy in that little room there. Sometimes balls are flying everywhere, but anyhow, how could you get bored with all that you have? This greatest gift that God gave to every single one of us in the birth of His Son is God going to a length that you and I can even begin to wrap our brains around can you see that, that's why he's called unspeakable, it's beyond words and we should be ecstatic, we should be rejoicing, we should be so overwhelmed with enthusiastic joy that God would do such a thing for us, it should melt our hearts just to think that he would rescue us by leaving that position to come to the earth and robe himself in flesh for one purpose and one purpose alone and what was that? The depth of his love is point three. The depth of his love is seen in the crucifixion. The crucifixion is a revelation of the depth of God's love. In John 15, 13, look at what it says. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends this gift that God gave us, he gave us so he could die for us, he's the sacrificial lamb that was given he housed the only blood that can save a sin sick soul no matter what your background is his blood is the perfect blood no matter what your blood type is his blood type is the perfect blood type to save every sin sick soul on this planet called earth and he came and robed himself in that flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who thought of himself not to be equal with God, made himself in reputation, robed himself in flesh and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He was born to die because you and I could not possibly pay the sacrifice, the price for our redemption. We had a kinsman redeemer who came and took our place, and he was able to do it because his blood was not tainted with the Adamic sin nature. He housed the very blood because you see, the blood in that baby, in the baby that was in the womb of Mary, does not come from the mother, it comes from the father. And it was not Adam's blood, but the blood of the everlasting father housed in him in the person of Jesus Christ and that's why when all these people talk about how there's many roads that lead to God there's many ways, there's different leaders, no there's not, there's only one there's only one because God Almighty became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and he on that cross suffered and died in the depth of his love, matter of fact I can actually say it like this he literally loved us to death do you ever tell somebody I just love him to death and you're just saying that kiddingly I just love him to death he did it, he meant it, and he did it, he loved us to death he died our death, instead of our death it was his death instead of our blood it was his blood, he took it for us and can you only begin to imagine when the scriptures describe Christ dying on Calvary, it is again incomprehensible because the scripture says in Isaiah 52 his visage was so marred more than any man he didn't appear to be human like on that tree, and it wasn't just from the physical beating it was because Jehovah laid on him the iniquity of us all, and entering into his person, into his being was the sin of the world he became the curse, he became the mental anguish, he became every sickness he became every disease, he became everything that we were so that we could become what he is, the son of a son or a daughter of the most high God, you talk about love you talk about love, greater love is no man than this and then number four, it's also found in this, the height of God's love is revealed in he would give us everlasting life, in Ephesians chapter 2 we see this clearly described, when Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures by the power of God, he raised us up with him even when we were dead in sins, and he, hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus oh I know physically you're sitting here on this planet, you're sitting here on that pew you're sitting here on the earth, but you know what positionally you're seated with Him in glory, when He raised you up he raised, when He raised Himself up, when the Father raised Him up, He raised you me, He raised us up together with Him, He's not selfish, self-centered or self-willed, He was sharing His kingdom, as a matter of fact Jesus said when He was here on the earth it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, well that's more than the keys to the car wouldn't you say? It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, He says, I have poured myself out for you, and I've given myself completely for you, and this is my love for you on display. It doesn't get better than that in my opinion. Well, I want you to see another verse of scripture that's very important in the book of Zephaniah chapter 3 and, and verse 17 because I'm bringing this all out to let us know that God is resting in his love for us he's resting in it there's nothing more he can do or nothing more he has to do to prove his love for us or to demonstrate his love for us the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty and this is prophetic by the way this is prophetic of the end times it's prophetic of the church age it's prophetic of the end times when all things are consummated the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty he will save he will rejoice over thee with joy He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Do you ever think about the creator singing over you with joy? Can you imagine that? I remember when my little ones were born, I had a joy unspeakable full of glory. It was just such a joyful experience just to see them being born and brought into this world. And you can't even have words to describe it. Any new parents out there, first-time parents out there, raise your hand. Anyone's first-time parents? when you had your child for the first time what impact did it have upon your life how did it affect you? did it change you? did something on the inside of you change and you realize you couldn't love any being on this planet like you love this little one that's in your arms doesn't it change you that way doesn't it do something to you does it impact you well you know what what the scripture is saying the Lord God in the Hebrew the Lord God in the midst of you it means the self existent being who created all things that are in this world is mighty mighty he is all powerful he is your overcoming hero he is the one that has all ability, power and might and he used it to come to the earth to save you to save you means to deliver you from your sinful state and the effects of sin and death in this world so this mighty one came from heaven the creator of the universe, he robed himself in flesh his purpose was to come and to save that which was lost and he came praise God so that he could rejoice in those that would come to him as the scripture says there's joy before the very throne of God when one sinner repents and comes home and then he says he'll rest in his love he'll rest in his love for you and joy over you with singing now how do I describe that he's going to rest in his love that he's resting in his love and it's important to know this if I want to have a clear revelation of God's love for me God cannot do one more thing to prove his love for me. You you might say, well if he just finds me the job that I'm looking for, then I really know that he loves me. That has no bearing on his love for you whatsoever. Nothing that happens in your life has a bearing on his love for you. His love is clearly seen in his sacrifice. In what he has already done and poured himself out to do. In loving us to death and then raising us up together to be with him it can't be any clearer than that but we're going to show you. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 beginning at verse 1, God rested from His works after He created all things. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, which means brought to their predestined end and all the host of them. Now why is that important to know? Because God saw all the works of His hands and He said everything He created was perfect, it was good, it was very good this is exactly how I intend for it to be and once it was done on the seventh day what did He do? He rested on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Now, it sounds like that God got tired after all that work of creation. But that wasn't the case. God doesn't get tired. He never gets weary in anything. It means he brought it to a state of perfect or perfection and completion. And he put the finishing touches on the way he wants everything to be. And then set everything in motion. And then he doesn't stop his efforts what he does, he allows what he created to function in the way he created it to function by establishing laws and decrees with words. And so once he did the work of creation and set everything in motion, you could put it this way God loved, first of all, man by doing this. He loved man by creating a universe. The universe born of love is loving the earth. The earth because God is love is loving the man who's on the earth. You realize that when man was made everything on the earth was already established the universe was established the earth was established, every resource in the earth to provide for the needs of man were all established, so the universe is loving the earth, the earth is loving the man, and the man has everything that he possibly needs in that garden he had everything he needed and then some, and all he had to do was just submit himself and love God back, but we know that he chose not to do that, but we see love set in motion in creation and that once God set it in motion, he just rested from all his works. He just sat back and just said, now, let's watch it. Let me show you how true that is. Go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 5, and notice verse 20 through 22. God established word with words decrees and set them in motion so that the universe would function in a proper way. Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah saying hear O this O foolish people and without understanding which have eyes and see not which have ears and hear not Fear ye not me saith the Lord will ye not tremble at my presence which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by the, a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it and though the ways thereof toss themselves yet can they not prevail though they roar yet can they not pass over it so in other words when God established everything in the universe to love the earth and the earth to love the man and the man to love him he set laws in motion by decrees and by giving words and obviously he's not going to cover the earth ever again because he made a promise to Noah with water there's not going to be another flood you realize if all the waters and all the oceans ever just did what they did back then we'd be underwater this whole earth again but God established these things and His love is still set in motion so that the whole universe functions and operates in such a way to provide a place of habitation for man, for all of us. And you know what? This idea of going to other planets to try to find life is just a waste of money. Your tax dollars and my tax dollars, it's a waste of money. God made this earth for us to to, to live on. He doesn't want us to move to, to Mars or somewhere else and live on the moon. You can move to Mars, Pennsylvania if you want to. Or Moon, Pennsylvania if you want to. Is there a sun, Pennsylvania, anywhere? I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Sun Valley, I don't know. But a perfect place of habitation that he created for all of us to enjoy. That was his love in motion. Well, man rebelled against God. And when man rebelled against God, he opened up the door to upheaval. And even though everything was created in a perfect concise way all of a sudden now we see upheaval taking place in the earth. What happens? Man is separated from God. He takes on a new nature, a fallen nature. He loses the knowledge of God and etc. But then also every realm of life is affected. The, The animal kingdom is affected. The vegetable kingdom is affected. We have earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, hurricanes, And the list goes on and on and on of all the different upheavals that we experience in this realm of life. Would you call sickness and disease and all these evils that we encounter, death and murder and rape and molestation and all that. Would you call that love in motion? I don't call that love in motion. No, what happened was another kingdom invaded this realm in which we live that wasn't based on love. And man stepping out of the boundaries that God established for his existence and being. You know what that was an act of? You know what that was motivated by? selfishness and self-promotion man tried to to promote himself above the will of God and the plan of God, he just fell out of the realm of love into the realm of selfishness and self-promotion and when you make those kinds of decisions you follow Lucifer and his decision to step beyond the boundaries that God established for his existence and look what happened to him I'm going to raise my throne above the stars of God and he said no you're going to go down to the lowest pit and suffer eternally in that place called the lake of fire God established for every single creature that he creates their own boundaries and they're supposed to live within those boundaries Adam and Eve step out beyond those boundaries and what happened the door was opened through selfishness and self-promotion and all these evils that we encounter okay ready? Ladies, pain in childbearing was not God's intended purpose. Women would have conceived and had children without pain. No rebuttal on that? Or would you rather have the pain? Think about that. Now does anybody know about animals? Do animals have pain in in giving birth? Every kingdom of the world was affected. Gentlemen, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. So I'm going to put together a committee. One to face Adam and one to face Eve. When we all get up there in glory and give them a piece of our renewed minds. (laughs) Was any of that God loving us? Would you call sickness, disease, tsunamis, earthquakes, and all these things I just mentioned, would you call that any... Realm of, in, in any way in this realm that we live in God loving us? No, when God set things in motion love was in control, it was all designed the universe to love the earth, the earth, the earth with all of its resources to love the man and provide for the man all that he needs, every resource that he needs for his existence and man was supposed to love God put his love back on God and close the circle of love which was about right like that Because he has his own free will he made a decision to use his self-willed decisions to displease God and that's what sin is and so rather than saying I set my love on you Lord and I will not partake of that tree of of the knowledge of good and evil I just refuse to do it He, he did it willingly and opened up the door to the mess that we face every single day in this life encountering death and all evil. Well God was resting in all what he did, but man messed the thing up, but still aren't you glad that when you get up in the morning there's still, the sun's doing its job, the moon's doing its job, and there's gravity, aren't you glad there's gravity when you get up in the morning, can you imagine waking up and you're looking at your ceiling at top of the ceiling up there, can you imagine that okay, well, look at the book of Romans chapter 8 to show you what I'm talking about, for the creation, this is from the NIV even up till now, creation is out there groaning. That's why there's earthquakes, that's why there's tornadoes, that's why there's hurricanes, that's why there's tsunamis. The earth is in the state of just groaning and groaning because it's not the way it's supposed to be I've got some good news someday the king of kings and the lord of lords is going to leave the glory world he's going to come to this earth and when he touches ground on this earth once again he's going to set things in motion and set things back in order and one day there will be a new heavens and a brand new earth and all the evils of this world that we experience in this life will be gone completely removed and praise God there won't be any of it that we have to contend with any longer Okay, now, how does that relate to resting in His love for us? Well now God is resting in His love. Just as He created all things and sat back and rested and watched it all just unfold and continues to manifest every single day, God has rested in His love. I like to say it this way, there isn't one more smidgen of God's love that He left out in His work of redemption not one smidgen has been left behind so if a person says well I'll know that God loves me when God does something for me or if God does this you have no understanding or no idea of the love of God God literally poured himself out in death for every single one of us and there isn't one thing more he could possibly do. Jesus said there's no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life. And so if you and I were to lay down our lives for someone, guess what? We have no way to get it back. But Jesus willfully laid down his life for all of us and God raised him from the dead to restore him to his rightful place at the father's right hand, you see he could be our kinsman redeemer, look at John chapter 1 God so loved the world, that what did he do? he gave his son, but I want you to see it this way, he took his love to the limits and sent his word in human form he sent his word in human form not just his word, he gave his spoken word through prophets, didn't he? and teachers, back in, by the fathers it says in Hebrews but in these last days he spoke to us by his son, in other words his word came in human form to reveal to us the father's nature and the father's love, in John's gospel chapter 1 beginning verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him and without him was not made anything that was made, In him was life, and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not and the darkness still comprehends it not today, but anyhow the word made the world and everything that's in it but now move on down to verse 10 He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word, the word, the word, the second person of deity called the word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. The second person of deity, who was, not, who was a spirit, now became flesh. robed himself in flesh. So in other words, if you never heard it before, maybe some of you haven't, I've taught it many times before, the Word becoming flesh, the second person of deity, robing himself in human flesh like we have, is called the hypostatic union of deity and humanity. This is why He's the only way truth in life. He was not just a good man. He wasn't some another person born. Like so many people teach and so many people say in your, in your books and what you study in, in school. Oh He's just another person. He's just a good prophet. He's a good person. He's a role model. He's a this. He's a that. Oh I beg to differ with you he was God the creator of the universe the sustainer of the universe he was God the savior of the world who robed himself in flesh to become a man and and become once and for all and forever identified with humanity this hypostatic union is not just he borrowed a body for a few for three and a half years and then he let the body go and that was it this was the union the hypostatic union of deity with humanity in the person of Jesus, humanity, Christ, deity, becoming one with man for eternity, for one purpose and one purpose alone, to love you and me back to the Father by sacrificing his life and laying it down and actually pouring himself out unto death, he literally loved us to death that's why he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves so when we have this revelation of God's love and we see that God held nothing back, and we see that every ounce of his love was poured out in that sacrifice, just like the Bible says that it was the greatest working of his power just to raise him from the dead, it was the greatest working of God's power then we start realizing and understanding that his love for us is not based upon something in this life that he does for me it's based on what he did for me and what he did for me is beyond comprehension The incarnation will be celebrating here. That's what Christmas is, oh and this, I don't know what it does to you but it just gets under my skin. It's not the holiday season. It's Christmas. That is the holiday. Let's call it what it is. It is Christmas. It is the celebration of God becoming a man in the person of Jesus Christ, robing himself in flesh, walking upon the earth, demonstrating the power and authority he gave Adam from the very beginning when he said, Peace be still, and the storm stop. When he stood before a grave and says, Lazarus, come forth, and he had the power over death, over hell, and the grave. And finally, before he went to, to that cross and he suffered and died, and then of course he said, I commend my spirit in your hands, O Father, because right now I've got to trust that you you will do what you said and that's to bring me up out of the pit and raise me up and so i'm giving myself to you in totality there was a one ounce left behind his love was poured out unto death and on the third day god looked down over the banisters of heaven and he saw his son and he said this day have i begotten thee and raised him up by the power of the holy ghost praise god and made him alive and he raised us up together with him to give us life and any person on this planet Anyone, no matter who you are, He did it for you. If you've got breath, He did it for you. The breath, the length, the depth, the height, the love of Christ is found right there. And we're to be rooted in it. We're to be grounded in it. Why? Look at, look at these here. and We'll close here. Look at these other verses. Look at 1 John chapter 4. God poured out His love for the world in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He literally loved us to death. Period. And now He is resting in that love. Resting in it. And I want you to see this. And this was manifested. The love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only son. Into the world. That we might live through him. Here in his love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son. To be the propitiation. For our sins. And then next verse. We love him. Why? Because he. First. Loved. Loved us, we should be so in love oh, not because someone tells us to you see when you have a revelation of this reality of God's love you want to serve Him, you want to surrender to Him He loved us to death, He poured Himself out to the end and He says now, this is the Father speaking, the Father says I know there will be those that will respond to my love Have you responded to that love? Have you responded to that love? When you see this awesome love, do you say to yourself, how can I not serve him? How can I not obey him? And then also, if you back up in that first John chapter four, he says this beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not doesn't know God. That's the acid test. Do you love people? Do you care about people? I'm talking about really care about people from your heart. Are you concerned about the eternal welfare and well-being of the people that are around you? Enough to tell them about a, a Savior and a Redeemer? God says we love people because He first loved us. And when we have a revelation of His love for us, then we'll just love other people the same way He loved us. Because you really know God. And all of us needs to have our minds renewed to this blessed truth. He poured himself out. You ready for this one? I'll close with this verse. 1 John 3.16. How many of you know John 3.16? God so loved the world. You know that verse. But 1 John 3.16 says this. Beloved, if he loved us, we owe it to him to love one another the same way he loved us. That's our commandment. So when you know God's love, it'll just take your faith to a higher level. Because why? You can trust Him. You know you can trust Him because He loves you. He'll make you a sandwich when you're hungry. Let's all stand. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.